my let's keep it real people. You are just going to have a ball with this podcast. I am so excited for you to listen. Your energy is going to be raised. You're going to be grateful for everything. You're going to learn so much. Scott Miller is the bomb. I know you're going to want to share it, like it, rate it, and I'm truly grateful for that and we really appreciate. But before we get into the next episode, let me tell you a little bit about Scott. Capping a 25-year career where he served as a chief marketing officer and executive vice president of business development, Scott Jeffrey Miller currently serves as Franklin Covey's senior advisor on thought leadership, leading the strategy and development of the firm's Speakers Bureau, as well as the publication of podcasts, webcast, and best-selling books. I'm so pumped for you. Have fun. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. All right, my let's keep it real people. I know I've been so excited about Scott Miller coming on. Now, I love all my guests, but hoochie mama, this guy has really been out there helping so many people. And I know I've been driving you crazy, but you sent me so many questions. So before I go on and on, Scott Miller, thanks for being here. Sandy, my honor. I apologize for my voice. I have hosted and been on too many radio and podcast programs this week. (laughs) Not too many for my interest, too many for my voice. So to your (laughs) listeners, I apologize for the raspiness. Hoochie mama. Well, listen, you sound more like me, so I feel good. And I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. And I sound like this all the time. People think I smoke, and I'm like, <laughs> it was teaching one too many aerobic classes. That's go. what happened. All right, but before we get off on that, what's your one word? I always ask people if you could say one word, good, bad, or ugly, to best describe your past 30 days, what would it be, Scott? Gratitude. Gratitude. Tell me why. Well, I think it's the key to a productive mindset. It's the key to appreciating and validating those that are pouring into you and helping lift you up. Mm. It's the key to seeking mentorship and offering mentorship. It's about living a, a, a grateful life in a very difficult, trying time. I mean, when you wake up every day and you focus on what you have, not what you don't, when you are grateful for what you used to want, but now have and don't care about anymore. I mean, I just, I think gratitude is the key to so many of our issues in life, in business, and our personal lives. Gratitude is the core to everything. I want to come hug you. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> it's true, right? I mean, it's being grateful for being oh. able, to, it's being grateful for being able to pay half of your visa bill this month. It's being grateful that you do yeah. have medical insurance. It's grateful that, you know, if you got the vaccine and you got COVID, that you are alive to tell about it. I mean, it's just everything. When you look through the lens of grateful for what you do have, it really just transforms your mindset and your your attitude. Okay. So we're going to jump into this one big question I got. And matter of fact, 
I was going to go live about it because it's my little pet peeve. So people say, oh, Sandy, you're living in Sandy's world. You know, uh, people don't want to hear sugarcoating. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I consider my audience. I'm here to serve them. Is this going to make a positive, powerful impact? And I think about what I'm saying with intention, purpose, and authenticity. And that to me is different than sugarcoating because anybody can just deliver a message and dump. And is it really your sugarcoating, you know, or you just needed to get it out and you weren't considering other people. So I got tons of questions. They said, ask Scott what he thinks about that. And I'm like, okay, now I don't know Scott. I've never met him before. So they want to know, do you really have to spend that much time thinking about what you're saying, even to your friends and family? Oh, I think, I think perhaps more so now than ever. I think the words we use have a massive impact that most of us don't even calculate, whether it be, you know, I was interviewing a man this morning named Robin Sharma. He wrote the famous book, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. sold 20 million copies of his books. And he talked about how, you know, we often say, hey, Sandy, you crushed that meeting. Hey, Sandy, you killed it. Hey, Sandy. And he says, you know what? These aren't great words, crushed and killed. He said, even these small words we use that have taken on a colloquial life of their own, that it's the people that. that are energy infusers that are enormously deliberate around how they choose their words. Because so few of us, Sandy, are really truly self-aware of what it's like to be yeah. married to us or work with us or live next door to us or have us marry their son or daughter and be their in-law. So few of us really know what it's like to be in a relationship with us. And most people judge us on our technique, but they judge themselves on their intent. So I do. Okay. I think it's a sign of respect, of courtesy, of being respectful to other people to do. Choose your words more carefully, because if you're not careful, you can verbally eviscerate someone. You can damage their self-esteem, their self-confidence. When you just thought you were having fun or you were just being yeah, cavalier. Yeah. No, I yeah, do. I agree. I, I do. agree. And you know what? Vice versa. With one word, you have no idea. I'm sure, Scott, this has happened to you all the time. How much you've impacted somebody. It could be 20, 30 years later and they'll say, I remember, Scott, when you said this and it changed my life. Oh my gosh, Sandy. Can I tell you, multiple times a week, someone will text me or email or call me and they'll say, Yes, Scott, I mentioned once when you said this, when we were at, you know, XYZ restaurant in Sandy or, you know, in Philadelphia. I'm like, you and I were in Philadelphia together? I said, what? Yeah. I, I don't remember what they're talking about. And they remember word for word what I said during dessert. Mm -hmm. And this isn't because I'm, you know, busier than them or more pot or any of that. It's just it had an indelible impact for good or for bad. Mm -hmm. And I think, oh, my gosh, I said that? Why did I, someone just this week did this to me and I, and it was horrifying what they said I said. Why did I say that to you? And they said, because you're Scott Miller. <laughs> and this is a good friend of mine and it wasn't a charitable quote. And I thought, what was my intent? Yeah. How, how, how selfish of me. Ugh. So I think to your point, we need to be mindful of the words we use that lift yeah. and destroy, that build yeah. and tear yeah. down. Yeah. Even if it's not our intent, because if you don't declare your intent, somebody else will ascribe an intent to you, Ooh, which is why it's so vital yeah. that when we are having conversations, whether they're high stakes conversations or low stakes conversations, that yeah. 
Yeah. They actually use those words. Hey, Sandy, I'd like to share my thought on this. And my intent is not to offend you or diminish you. It's just, yeah. here's what I'm thinking. I think it's, it's powerfully important to share our intent because nearly all, if not all, conflict in life comes from mismatched or unfulfilled expectations. And that can be minimized. The conflict in our lives, whether it be with our colleagues, our vendors, our suppliers, our our funders, our investors, our employees, make sure that you are constantly ensuring that your intent mm. is clear. Yeah. Well, you know, Scott, <laughs> I think I'm pretty good out in the world. But if you ask my family on any given day, <laughs> they'll be like, why don't you apply? Like my son just said, mom, you know that stuff I overheard you on your podcast? You could <laughs> apply it more to me and dad. And I thought about it. And he was so right. Like sometimes I'm just like, blah, you know, because I think that's my family. You know what I mean? But it's still the same. It is. I mean, Dr. Covey, who's the founder, of course, of the Franklin Covey Company, wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You know, I've been yeah, in the company yeah. 26 yeah. years, was their chief marketing officer for a decade. He said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. And to your point, we as leaders, as entrepreneurs, as solopreneurs, as parents, as spouses, as partners, as friends, as humans... We should spend more time modeling what it is we're talking about. Dr. Covey also said, to know, but not to do, is not to know. Ooh. And your, your son has called you out on it. Oh, he did. He did. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, son. <laughs> he was so right, though. You know what I mean? How old is your son? He's 18. He's applying to colleges. And, you know, I was. he didn't do it. You know, he put it off to the last minute. You know the game. And... I didn't handle it how I would. <laughs> he said, Mom, pretend I'm your client. I was like, oh, son of a beam. He's right. <laughs> you know, he was right. He was right. Okay. So big, big question I have for you. I actually went off. I called it the grid. I had to shut down to re-energize myself for the new year because I just felt like I was getting hit with too many overwhelming, like, what do I do? Negative stuff. And I was on overload, Scott. And so what do you do when that happens? And maybe it doesn't happen, but I family and friends who I love dearly are just so upset with what's going on. And I just felt like, whoa, they were just texting and emailing and calling. And I call it bump and dump. And at any given time, I could handle one or two, but it was coming in too much. And I was just like, shut down for the weekend. I don't know if you've ever done that. Oh, sure. I interviewed a lady once on my podcast that talked about having a, a, te a tech Shabbat. Obviously, it's like a, a Jewish Hebrew term, Sabbat. But yeah, every, yeah. every weekend, everybody surrenders their phones at about 5 p.m. on Saturday night. They put all their phones in a drawer, and then they spend that evening. Maybe it's Friday night. Yeah, it's Friday yeah. night. It's Friday night. Friday night, they started Tech Shabbat. These are cultural Jews, not religious Jews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they everyone surrenders their phones. They put them in a drawer, turn them off. They download all the information they need for, you know, Saturday soccer practice, you know, locations and things yeah, like yeah. that. Everything is downloaded, printed off. And then for 24 hours every week, they are uncontactable. by. Now they have, you know, protocols in place for elderly yeah, parents, yeah. you know. I love that. Like I don't that. know if my family would go for it. But, but they set very strict boundaries once a week. But I think there's truth to that, right? Garbage in, garbage out. And we have, I think also as Americans, there's been decades of subconscious inculcation where it's almost our patriotic duty 
to know every protest, every shutdown, every boycott, every foreign coup, every military invasion, every celebrity meltdown, 24 hours a day, we're all on overload. And in some ways, I've also felt like it was kind of my moral obligation to know. Yes. Or Ben Affleck and Jennifer are getting together again. And when is that? You know, and, you know from <laughs> the trivial, from the trivial <laughs> to the important, right? What latest yeah. missile did North Korea set off in the Korean? Yeah. You get it. And I think it's not healthy. It's yeah. wildly unhealthy. And yeah. so everybody might consider, what is your version of a tech Shabbat, of an information Shabbat? Mm. I think... I don't need to know all of the details of the latest school shooting. I feel yeah. like I do out of my moral obligation as a parent and a mm. voter. Yeah. But it's not helpful to me. And so I have got, I, I've had to kind of move through the guilt of deciding I don't need to know or be in contact with or be connected by every person. Because that is actually quite selfish because it robs me of the energy and the attention and the joy that I need for myself and for those closest to me who count on me. <laughs> oh, Scott, I, I say that to my friend. I'm like, you don't want to drag me into that. Be, trust me. When you want me to lift you up, you're going to be so sad if I go there with you. Trust me. Right now you think you want me to go there, but you don't. Because in order to fly high, man, you got to fly high. First of all, you want to, I'm sure you do, surround yourself with people that just keep lifting your energy up so you can keep doing what you do. I mean, are your close, close friends and family like there for you, Scott? Yes. I mean, I'm a fairly resilient person. I, I believe fiercely in personal responsibility. Okay. I believe that I am responsible for my attitude, for my joy, for my success. I am a highly interdependent person, but I don't blame other people for any positive or negative impact on me. And so to answer your question, yeah. I don't ask a lot of people in my life, but I also don't ever blame or hold someone else responsible for my joy, my success, my yeah. attitude. Yeah. I am completely responsible for that. Love that you said that. Perfect. But the question then is, do you, maybe you're able to do this. Do you handpick your close friends that you feel you lift each other up? Even though oh. I get that you're saying, oh, yeah. I am totally responsible. You, you can't create joy, love, or peace in my life. Uh, this is on me, baby. But are you careful of the friends you pick? Well, I'm careful of the friends I pick based on their character, but I don't I don't have to eliminate a lot of people in my life because I'm pretty powerful at having a force field around me. I, I've matured not to let your what I think is crazy position on the presidential election or your yeah, yeah, what yeah. I think is I crazy opinion on vaccines. I don't let your opinion rock my world. I am a pretty proactive person. I don't gotcha. react very quickly. So you can say something that is absolutely, in my opinion, idiotic, indefensible, and insane. And as long as it's not racist mm -hmm. or you know despicable, I yep, yep. I, I, I don't even like, it doesn't even come in, right? It just, yeah, it, it yeah. like, here's what I've learned is a lot of us are taught to have thick skin. You know, I was, I, I, I'm a Catholic. 
I was born in Orlando, Florida. And after four years working for the Disney company, they invited me to leave. Because? Because I was a jackass. But that isn't the point. So here I am in Orlando, Florida. Oh, my God. In, in Orlando, Florida. Where does a Catholic single boy move? Well, to Provo, Utah, where all the Catholics are. I'm kidding. There wasn't a single Catholic in Utah six years so. ago, right? Yeah. So when I moved to Utah, yeah. I took on this sort of, you know, badass mentality. Don't tread on me. I'm uber Catholic and don't evangelize. Because as you know, it's a lovely group of people here that are Latter-day Saints, known as Mormons, that yes, are a very yes, evangelizing yes. community. But that isn't even in the point. Okay. I thought, I thought the idea was that thick skin would serve me well. But Sandy, we both know with thick skin, nothing gets in. But nothing gets out. Yeah. Yeah. And to quote Viola Davis and Brene Brown, instead of having thick skin, have translucent skin, transparent skin, metaphorically. Stuff comes in, stuff comes out. I don't hold on to it. You can be convinced that, mm. you know, that that Joseph Biden stole the election and have all your data. It doesn't impact my decision or my opinion one iota. And I'm gonna still choose to like you and respect you and love you mm. as long as your character is high. Oof. Now, if I find that your character is compromised, I goodbye. gotcha. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Long yeah. answer to your question. No, I I love it. I, you I, know, I, Sandy, what I could have said is, oh yes, I am super deliberate with those who come in my life, and I only have a core of three good friends. No, that's actually not yeah. true. Okay. Sounds good, but I'm not true. I'm a fairly public person. I have a lot of people yeah. at various levels of intimacy in my life. Only one. Yeah. My wife, really into men, but you know, but you get the point. So I'm not especially careful, but I am very careful on making sure that their energy, positive or negative, has literally no impact on me. Yeah, yeah. I got what you said. You know, I'm thinking of, I have very friends too, of all walks of life. And a lot of people say, Sandy, I can't be in the room with those friends because they're an eclectic group, but it's for the same reason. I I say different. I said, oh, I just love their heart. And I feel, you know, how good they are as humans and what they put out in the world. It's all different than me, Scott, but man, I feel it. And so maybe they don't get along with each other, but that's all that I'm like, well, I have to warn you, they're going to be in the house, you know? I wrote a blog about this a few weeks ago and I really, I was calling out Ellen DeGeneres in a good way. You know, Ellen DeGeneres went through a, you know, she had a rough year, right? With, with her TV program and a lot of her followers pummeled her when it came to her friendship with George H, George W. Bush. And and she said, you know, I'm friends with, with President Bush. And, and we don't agree on everything. And my friends can't understand how I can be friends with someone yeah. who I don't agree with. I mean, if I took a, a T-chart and I wrote down all the people who disagree with me about Trump and Biden, who disagree with me about COVID and vaccinations, who disagree with me about our policy towards Russia, Iran, and Syria, I, I, and I have no friends left. <laughs> There'd be nobody left. I wouldn't be married. That's I, my wife and I voted for opposite political candidates. I mean, oh my there would be, there would be nobody left in my life, right? I mean, <laughs> I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said, I don't like that man very much. I should get to know him better. Ooh. And there's so, there's so much truth to that. Oh, right? I did not know that. I'm writing that one down. I probably I misquoted it. it, so make sure that you verify it. But I mean, directionally, <laughs> I it's very much accurate. Um, yeah. We all need to be 
a little more forgiving, a little kinder, a little more curious, right? Tell me yeah. why you think that way. Why do you believe that? Yeah, yeah. Well, when, I want to yeah, know when, why you tick. Like, yeah, where did you why get do that you think from? that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I can feel it's coming from hate, I, I'm like you, I tune out. Like, as soon as that starts, I'm like, whoa. Okay, you're on a. <laughs> oh, something comes from hate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm think like, it's I've not actually... good or bad. It's just not my journey. You know, let's just move away. You know. Yeah, and move away permanently, right? Just very much um, change the topic, wind that conversation down, and I probably yeah. will not find myself in that person's presence ever yeah. again. Yeah. Okay. So, oh my goodness, my peeps are going to be like, Sandy, you didn't ask my questions. All right. Big one because of my group. What do you do every single day to get in this headset? You know, wait, wait let's hold off on that. Well, I, I got that answer. Tell me when you're All ready. All right, forget that. Let's go back to this other one. I'm just, it's just popping up. That was a good question. I know. We're going to get to that one. I promise you. Have, when, have you been this way your whole life? Like, have you come into the world thinking, you know, I'm just grateful for everything I have? Um, can I share a two-minute story? You can share. Oh, I love stories. Please do. My father's dad died when he was 10 of cancer. Mm. His twin brother caught polio in junior high school and spent 10 years in an iron lung oh, God. before he also died. Mm. As a result, his mother, of course, was widowed for 60 years, was in mourning his whole life. Oh, boy. And so my father effectively didn't have any parents. Yeah. My mother was an only child. Both of her parents were alcoholics. I hear one of them took their life accidentally, but we don't really talk about it, so I'm not quite sure. Yeah, yeah. So I was raised by two parents that valued stability over everything. Stability mm. over love, over joy, mm. over happiness, over physical touch. My parents are very good parents. Yeah, but yeah, their I number, their number one value became stability, right? There was no filet mignon and there was no top ramen. It was meatloaf every yeah. night for 20 years, you know, yeah. metaphorically. Uh, yeah, yeah, mac and cheese. But in my teens, my grandmother, my father's mother, the one who was widowed and lost my father's twin to polio, she shared a story with me once. She was a very humble, quiet, German Catholic woman who lived in her 90s. She shared that as a widow, when her 14-year-old son got polio, which back then was like COVID times 40. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you didn't go outside for fear your children would catch polio and mm. die or be maimed and paralyzed. I mean, it, was, it made COVID look like child's play. Yeah, yeah. And my mother, my grandmother, was, I mentioned, a Catholic. The Knights of Columbus, which most of you know is a Catholic-based service organization. One day a knock at the door comes. And the Knights of Columbus is there to inform my grandmother, her name was Agnes, that they were prepared to pay for the costs of her son's iron lung. My grandmother was a widow and was working a part-time job at the local school cafeteria as what was known then as a lunch lady. Yeah. And she said to the Knights of Columbus, I can afford this. Go next door. They can't. Oh. My grandmother could not afford the iron lung. Yeah. And by the way, this was in the early 50s. The next door neighbors were Protestants. In this Minnesota neighborhood, the Protestant kids walked on one side of the street, and the Catholic kids walked on the other side of the street to and from huh. school and did not play kickball with their parents' permission in the, in the school at Park. This was a reality in the 50s. Wow. And my grandmother, who was a very humble person, 
She told me this story at the end of her life, and I believe it not to be exaggerated. Yeah. The neighbors were Protestants. Now, this was not Northern Ireland, but this was Minnesota in the 50s. And that, to answer your question, that story from my grandmother instilled in me a lifelong journey of gratitude, of having an abundance mentality, of never falling into a scarcity mindset, and generally believing there is enough for everyone. And I'm not going to get mine and then be happy if you also can get yours later. I'm going to do my best to operate an abundance mindset and figure out how can we both get what we need. That might seem like Pollyannish to people. I'm a competitive person. I've been described as having a ferocious personality, but I also would like to think that that story about my grandmother and the iron lung permeates my behavior and my brand, my reputation, yeah, and every encounter that I have. I was just interviewing another gentleman yesterday, and he was like, how can such a positive, powerful, you know, filled with love person have a podcast that's also called Positive Bitch Power Lady? And it says, did you see the, the bitch is crossed out? Because I believe you can be a powerful entrepreneur and come from love and be successful. And the guy just laughed in my face. I said, listen, I've made a career out of it. It doesn't mean I don't go after what I want. I'm like a dog with a bone. But I believe I can do it from my heart. You are my spirit animal. I am? You Ooh. are because I believe the same. And I am a fiercely competitive, strategic opportunistic, successful person that I think most people would call me at the same time also exceedingly generous. And I like to invest in people and see them rise and rise Mm. even past me. Both of those can coexist. And if you don't think they can, you don't have joy and gratitude in your life. And by the way, joy and gratitude can happen tonight, today, in one minute. You don't have to go earn it at a college. You don't have to buy it. It doesn't take any money. (laughs) Now, I recognize that different people have, you know, traumas in their life and they have setbacks and they have all kinds of challenges you've got to decide you're going to bring joy and gratitude in your life it's a decision you know i was very fortunate at a very young age that i truly believed if i focused on one word scott whether every day i would change it up joy love peace power and i envisioned how that felt when i got to college, you know, when I got to be a dancer on stage, when I got that, I had to embody that feeling first and then I would get there. And it got me so far by doing that. And I don't know what made me do that. I was just like, well, I'm just going to think of this word. And if I, how would I feel when I got that, had the family? Oh, I feel pure joy. Well, why not feel pure joy now? And it sounds like, you know, ass backwards, but that's how I've lived my life. You know, I once heard something I've heard lots of wise things in my career because I've been privileged to spend my life with some of the biggest authors and business titans, you know, for my 30 years with Franklin yes, you have. Disney companies. I, I've been the, I've had a very privileged level of access to people. I once heard something else that I thought was very powerful. It was sometimes a disappointment turns into an appointment. And I try to live that like literally every email, every text, every social post, like one six yeah. figure client backs out and I choose not to have it ruin my day. Okay. So what does that mean? I just lost a hundred thousand dollars. You know what? I just gained like 400 hours. Where will I put those hours to something bigger and better? (laughs) 
And so and that may, again, sound Pollyannish, right? Not all of us have six-figure clients, but yeah, I'm yeah. really just like fixated on making sure that any bad news comes my way. What is the silver lining? What is the gold lining? What is the platinum lining? What am I to learn from this? What What is the upside of this? And again, I don't mean to minimize, you know, perhaps tragedy yeah. people yeah. have had in their life. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking yeah, about generally day in, day out. How do you turn a disappointment into an appointment? I love that thought. I love it too. I love it. I love it. Okay. So now let's get back to the other question. What do you do on a daily basis to get you in this headset? Yeah, yes. I love that you asked us. Can I share a two-minute story? You got the right girl, Scott. I love stories. Sandy, I am privileged to host what is now the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. It's called On Leadership with Scott Miller. Oh, yeah. It's Again, awesome, you know, by the way. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Not so dissimilar to yours. It's an interview format. And my hundredth interview was with a man named Nick Vujicic. Nick Vujicic is Australian by birth. He's Texan by choice. He's a very famous motivational speaker, author, coach. And Nick was born with no arms and no legs. He has no limbs. He has a head, a neck, a torso, a waist. And at the end of his waist, his body ends. It's a small foot-like appendage that comes off of his waist that he can text with. He cannot drink on his own. He cannot eat on his own. He cannot dress. He cannot walk. He cannot move. He is dependent upon other people for everything he does in life physically, with the exception, of yeah. course, of his mental mindset. Nick and I have become very good friends. He's been in my house on numerous occasions. And Nick really has taught me the value of living your life through the lens of not I have to or I ought to, but rather I get to. I live in Salt Lake City where in the wintertime it is, you know, negative 10 degrees on a Sunday night. It's dark out by 4 p.m. The wind is blowing. I'm in my pajamas. And I realize, oh crap, I got to take the garbage out, right? Now it's like nine o'clock at night. I got to take the garbage down two flights of stairs, slipping and sliding on the icy driveway. I make it out to the garbage cans that are 80 feet away. And I realize, oh crap, tomorrow's garbage day. Now I got to drag three garbage cans down 70 yards, the driveway out to the street. I'm slipping and sliding. And I used to hate that amongst many things I used to hate. And it was after meeting Nick Vujicic who has no arms and no legs, Nick cannot take out the garbage. That everything I do during the day, I see not through the lens of I have to and not through the lens of I ought to, but rather through the lens of I get to. I get to stop and fill up my tank of gas. I get to eat lunch today. I get to have a high courage conversation with one of my employees. I get to terminate someone because they're not happy and I'm not happy. And I get to send them on to finding a better alignment in their life. This is the wisest thing I have ever integrated into my life. I get to get up at one o'clock tomorrow morning and deliver four keynote speeches to Dubai, Qatar, Oman, and Saudi Arabia in 90-minute intervals where I will collapse at six in the morning wanting to cry because I'm so tired. I get the opportunity to do that. If you start to live your life, including all of your business decisions through the lens of, I get to make 40 cold calls today because you know what? I have a phone. 
I have a database. I have a voice. It will transform your life and your level of joy and gratitude. So that's incredible. And I think what a blessing that you have these amazing people in your life. Like you said, I mean, you get to hear their stories and they empower you and they inspire you one after another. And by the way, you're awesome at interviewing and I love the guests you bring on. So one of my peeps wanted to know, did you have a favorite? And I thought, God, that must be hard because they've watched a lot of your interviews. Oh, I'm delighted. Um, yes, I do. Um, I think Mel Robbins was remarkable. She aired just a few weeks ago. Of course, yes, Mel Robbins so. wrote the book, The High Five Habit. Uh, Elizabeth Smart, the kidnapping victim from Salt Lake City who was raped and traumatized for nine months by her captors mm. and has non now gone on to be a heroic champion of victims' rights and forgiveness, was a favorite. Taria Pitt is an Australian who was burned alive in a brush fire in Australia. Oh, God. Burned over the majority of her body that's gone on now to um, live an amazing life. But above all, can I share what my absolute favorite is? <laughs> that's what they want. There's a man named Bobby Herrera. He's, um, I believe he's Mexican by birth, but he's an American citizen and Latino by race, but he is a... American entrepreneur who lives in Texas, Bobby Herrera. He wrote a book called The Gift of Struggle. And in this book, he opens it with a story where he and his brother were on a high school football team. They were raised in a large, very loving family with enormously humble means. And every week, the football team would take a bus to their competitor's field. And at the end of the football game, Everybody would get off the bus when they stopped at a local restaurant to go eat and celebrate. Yeah. And every week, Bobby Herrera and his brother would stay on the bus because their mother had packed them their dinner. There was no money for McDonald's or Ponderosa or whatever it was. And one day, one of the fathers, after he'd escorted all the kids into the restaurant, reboarded the bus and walked back down the center aisle of the bus. And he said, young men... I would like to treat you to dinner tonight. This is our secret. Nobody knows. In exchange for someday, I want you to do the same to somebody else. Mm. This man, Bobby Herrera, has gone on to a remarkable career as an entrepreneur, a very successful entrepreneur. And he never forgot this moment of kindness that this father did in private wow. 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And then at the launch of his book, he tracked this father down now in his 80s. He'd not talked to in like 30 years. And he flew him to the launch event. Oh. And he told the story of this man and said, you changed my life by making me feel seen. For the first time in my life, I felt like someone saw me. Yeah. So my favorite guest is Bobby Herrera. Yeah. And I strongly encourage you to pick up a copy of his book. It's called The Gift. Oh, I'm getting it. Of baby. struggle. It's a lovely book. And you can tell I got emotional telling that story because isn't that what life is about? It's just life mm -hmm. is about lifting others up, making sure that somebody feels seen today. Mm. And as one of the nuns of my church said, quoting somebody else famous, we're all just walking each other home. That's not meant to be religious. That's no, meant to no. be inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, oh, 
where do I begin? I mean, there's so many pearls of wisdom to take away from this interview. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't want the time to end. But what I'm hearing the most is don't underestimate the little thing you can do for your neighbor or the person down the street or the person at the coffee house. Like it doesn't have to be a big thing, something small. You know, there, there was a woman who handed me a card and she started an international business guy with business cards, white cards, nothing on it, but it says you matter. That's it. And she just gives them to people and there's no email there. It's not for business. And she said, it's changing people's lives around the world just to say you matter. It's like you said, you're being seen. I think it's a legacy that every one of us can leave. You know, I used to think the word hero meant John McCain, who I'm a huge fan of. Mm. I used to think the word hero would mean like Elizabeth Smart, who I'm a huge fan of. But I've come to believe that we're all heroes if we choose to be. Yeah, you could be a, you could be a You can be a transition figure in someone's life. You can validate them, lift them up, remind them of their genius in life. And I don't mm. have any problem now using that word hero quite frequently. We're all heroes if we choose to be. Yeah. I, I was just doing that with a bunch of kids and my, my friend said, can you remind me of that? We were talking they were eight to 12 year olds and we were talking about their superpower. But I was reminding them, they're like, well, I'm not a great athlete and I'm not this. I'm like, oh my God, are you an awesome listener? Are you compassionate? Are you generous? Are you energetic? And I think we all have to remind ourselves of that. We all have some unique gift, you know, and shine it out to the world. And I love that these kids are like, wow, then I do have a superpower. This one boy just wrote me, he said, I'm kind. I thought, well, that's a superpower if you ever had one. Isn't that true? Um, it's hard to be kind right now because there's so much anxiety and fear and trauma going on in the world, whether it's inflation, whether it's finding the right job, whether it's your marriage or family or COVID or politics or yeah. stability or economics. There, it's a, it is arguably the most difficult time to be alive in, the, since in, our, in our generation. And it's harder to be kind. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. it's not. Maybe it's easier to be kind. Maybe once you recognize that, you know, we hear this cliche a lot that everybody's been in the same storm, but not everybody's been in the same boat. I didn't lose my job. I haven't gotten COVID that I know of. My income's increased this year over last year. Mm. That doesn't mean that my life has any correlation to somebody else's life. I've not lost anybody real close to me to COVID. I know yeah. of some business colleagues and that isn't to minimize it at all. I'm quite vigilant about it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just really being thoughtful about how do I make sure it's not harder to be kind? How do I try to make it easier to be kind? A little more patient with the checkout yeah. clerk, a little more patient in traffic. You know, everybody behaves the way they do for a reason. Only a very small percentage of our population are true sociopaths. Yeah. Most people behave the way they do for a reason. It's usually out of fear. Fear because their parents taught them something that is so deeply inculcated in their life, even they can't see it. Fear because they're jealous or they're envious of somebody else's success and they've built a narrative around why they are a victim, why they can't succeed. I think the more you understand something's going on in that person's life that you can't see or understand or relate to, 
allows you to employ a leadership philosophy. I was taught at Franklin Covey, which is don't just forgive people, pre-forgive people. People are going to say things that piss you off. They're going to do things that violate your expectation and trust. Yeah. It doesn't always mean that they're an evil or bad person. That oftentimes means they're just operating out of fear that even they can't name. Pre-forgive, pre-forgive people in your life. It doesn't mean that you are a doormat. Yeah. It doesn't mean yeah. that you get run over. It doesn't mean you allow people to verbally, you know, abuse you or anything else. Set your boundaries. Ugh, love that. All right, Scott. Oh, ooh, I better get this one question in before we do rapid fire. Is do you meditate, journal, or work out every day? <laughs> It was one of my oh. big questions. Like, well, they, it's my audience. So, you know, they want to know your routine. I, I do not meditate, although I should, because my personality is like 112 on a scale of 100. I do not work out every day, mainly because I have three boys that are seven, nine, and 11. <laughs> you're, you're, well, that's working out. Exactly. Although I, I have in life, need to get back closer to that. What I do every day is practice gratitude. What I do every day is I try to move. I try to eat well, yeah. all things in moderation. I try to recognize when I am jealous, when I am envious, when I am feeling like a victim and try to get myself out of that mental mindset. Yeah. So I, I live a fairly balanced life. I occasionally drink champagne. I occasionally <laughs> go for a run. I occasionally water ski. I occasionally <laughs> snow ski. I occasionally drive with a top down. I occasionally apply sunscreen. I occasionally eat filet mignon. So I do everything in life with moderation. Oh my goodness. This is so refreshing. I don't think I've had a guest on in a while. I've said that. Most people are very, they're very regimented with their routine. They got it down, baby. You know, well, I'm regimented that, in certain things. Yeah. How my clothes are pressed, um, how I manage my in email, but I'm like everybody else, right? I'm trying to find what is the right balance of everything in life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine is Jillian Michaels, you know, the exercise wellness <laughs> lifestyle sort of coach. Know her. <laughs> okay. And she, sorry, sorry, sorry. My, my, my fame, it. Sandy, my fame, you know, is so big. Oh, so. Jillian has taught me that you can have everything in life. You just can't have it at all the same time. And I think that's pretty wise. And it's so I'm trying to live wise. my life. I'm living my life in seasons, right? There are seasons when you're in balance. There are seasons when you are out of balance. There are seasons where you're working 80 hours a week. And maybe there's a season where you're working eight hours a week. There's a season where you're exercising every day and you're not. I have generally found there's great value in regimentation. And people that have regimentated lives or regimented lives, they're often pretty judgmental. They're often pretty short on the fuse of how you live your life. And I don't, I didn't say always, I said often. Yeah. It's been my experience. Yeah. It's been my experience. So I'm, I, I'm not going with the flow by any stretch. I'm a insanely productive, efficient person. <laughs> we can tell, Scott, we can tell you wouldn't have been able and, to do all you do. Yeah. And I'm trying to live my life a little more in balance with my season. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Scott. Well, we have to wrap it up. So we got to go for a rapid fire. Are you ready? Bring it on, girl. All right. So fun. Favorite color? Green. Favorite food? Italian. Lasagna. Book in the last year you can recommend? 
I think the best leadership book I've ever read is Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. Those of you that are leaders of companies, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, this is a book about all of us are at any given point in the day, both multiplying and accidentally diminishing other people. And Liz identifies nine types of accidental diminishing tendencies. Ooh, the optimist, the pace setter, the rescuer, the protector, the strategist, the perfectionist, the idea person. And once you can better understand when you are falling into an accidental diminisher tendency, and you know what it feels like, sounds like, and looks like, you can pivot to better multiply other people's talent. You know, Scott, you're killing me here because I have 50 million books on business and self-help, and I don't have either of these two books, The Gift of Struggle or Multipliers. All right, got to get these. Okay, one of your favorite days, what would it look like from morning to night? If you could do anything, what would you do? My favorite day, it starts on Saturday evening. On Saturday evening, I begin to iron my children's clothes for church the next morning, and they watch me. We write out our checks for the collection basket because I want them to see us doing that each week. And then we go to bed and rise on Sunday morning, and we read the newspaper and have coffee and cinnamon buns. We get dressed, and we go to Mass because we honor our Creator. After Mass, we go to our country club where we're very privileged to be members, social members, not golf members, one-tenth of the price, and we have brunch. <laughs> And we eat brunch and we are super grateful for how hard mom and dad have worked to be privileged members of this club. And then Sunday afternoon, we either go snow skiing, we play tennis, perhaps we just come back home and hunker down and watch football and eat and kind of family time. Sundays are my favorite days. By the way, some days I don't like my kids. <laughs> my calling in life was not parenthood, be very clear. I do not enjoy parenthood, but I oh, try to God. make the best I try to make the best of it. So I think <laughs> Sundays are a good day because I believe that's the day that my children will remember. Hopefully for good. Not yeah, always. Yeah. My yeah. father dragged my brother and I to seven o'clock mass every Sunday for eighteen years and I hated it. And so I'm trying to make church a little more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so we go to the grocery store and pick out Tic Tacs. And to my wife's horror, I let them all consume an entire box of Tic Tacs during mass. And then we're on a candy-free zone the rest of the week for the most part. But that's my perfect That's my perfect. Well, I think what's going to stick in my brain is that you wa they watch you iron Saturday evening. Oh, I, I, I iron their pants. I iron their shirts. We pick out their clothes. They tuck their shirts in for church. Again, I don't make it like a, a big burden, right? We dress, you know, one hour a week. I remind yeah. them we can actually, you know, pay respect to who we think created us and why we're here on earth. Yeah. Um, I, I often bribe them with a trip to Barnes and Noble. I have a policy in our family. If you read it, I'll buy it. So we have a nearly unlimited Barnes and Noble budget because I believe the key to a successful life is being an eloquent um, communicator, both yeah. in the words you use and how you can write. So I'm trying to build these three boys into confident communicators. So we usually get a, a joy ride at Barnes and Noble. My youngest son is seven, who tries to always convince me that a game is a book. No son, a game is not a book. We're not going to the game aisle. He wins about half the time. Yeah, it um, is Barnes and Noble. Come on, dad. It is Barnes and Noble. Booksellers. 
That was a long answer to your question. Again, I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. I so much it. for the speed. So much for the speed round, right? <laughs> no, I like it. Okay. If you were going to be an animal, what would you be and why? Well, my friends would probably say a hyena. Oh, really? Because that's my, that's kind of my high energy level and I'm pretty ferocious, but not like an attack hyena. No. How about a kangaroo? I got lots of energy and I use my feet pretty powerfully, but not to kill you and eat you like a hyena. I just like to beat you down a bit. (laughs) By the way, (laughs) I just saw a little quote that, did you know kangaroos cannot walk backwards? I just thought I'd throw that out. Well, I've had a lot of setbacks in life, so I've walked backwards a lot. Trust me. (laughs) Okay. Look at you and your arcane sense of pop culture knowledge. Honestly, it was in one of the journals I created. I like to have little jokes, little fun facts that no one ever knew. And, you know, like, why do I care about that? Well, you never know. You might want to be a kangaroo. Okay. So what's the word universe mean to you when I say universe? You know, I think this is going to, you're going to sound this, this is funny. I think Catholicism, I think Catholic means universal in Latin. Oh, um, really? By the way, I am not an evangelizing religious person. So I've, although I've used that word to describe me, I mean it to describe me and not anybody else. I was raised in a very ecumenical family. My yeah. father is a Methodist. My father was a Catholic. Um, I've mentioned different religions on this podcast. So I hope nobody feels at all like I have an evangelizing personality. I do not. I do not. It doesn't come across. I think what universal means to me is sort of community, right? It means we're all in this together. We all have different paths we're taking. We all have different values. We value different things. I love Mercedes. I love fancy cars. Some people don't care about cars. Some people love vacations, right? We all have different values. But I think universal to me believes we're all in it together. And we should be thinking about how we are serving the world not just serving ourselves. It doesn't mean we can't serve ourselves. It means are we also serving the world? Yeah. Not all of us will own big companies. Not all of us will run for Congress. Not all of us will open foundations. But you know, who are you being a hero to? How are you universally helping other people? I think there's some wisdom there. There is wisdom there, Scott Miller. Ah, oh, Scott, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for being on the show. Before we go... Tell my let's keep. Oh, wait, there's more. Oh, there's more? Wait a minute. I was going to tell them how to find you, but go ahead. Well, my wife says it's not hard, and that's not a compliment. She thinks I'm overexposed. So if you Google Scott Jeffrey Miller, you're bound to find me. Scott Jeffrey Miller is my website. You can put that on Amazon and see the many books that I have published and am releasing in the coming years. You can connect to me and follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. Clubhouse, you can find me. I'm out there, scottjeffreymiller.com. I love it. Thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate that. Hopefully you can save your voice for one in the morning because it sounds like you got a lot of fun stuff going on. I really appreciate your time. And you know what I'm going to say, people? Until next time, toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember... Keep spreading the positive.